Welcome to our look at the book of Hebrews. This is week four, day four of our look through the New Testament, a book a day. Hebrews is a book for all who need encouragement to keep on trusting, to keep on growing. It's a book that was written to those who were missing the old ways of life, the traditions. Those who felt that what they had given up may not really be worth this new life that they had found. They had, one person said, gotten home from the honeymoon. And they were facing some of the difficulties in the Christian life. And they thought, well, what was it like, as the Jews would have said in the book of Exodus, what was it like back in Egypt? Maybe we should go back there to those days because these are tough days. It's a book that's filled with the encouragement to not drift back, but to keep running with endurance. It's easy to drift back into the old ways. It's easy to drift back into a lack of growth in your life. You got to keep running with endurance. Now, the focus of Hebrews is on Jesus. If you want to get to know who Jesus really is, this is the book for you. If you love Jesus for who he really is, this is the book for you. And when you love Jesus for who he really is, you become more and more who, you made, who he made you to be. That's, that's how you live out the life that he's given us to live. So Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says this. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. So this book, Hebrews, it's called Hebrews because it was first written to Hebrew Christians, Jewish Christians. It's a group of people that have been persecuted, we see in the book. It was a, it's a group of people that the writer knew personally. He was hoping to visit them, we see in chapter 13. They may have lived in Rome. The greetings from the Italian Christians in chapter 13 say this. That's what we know about who the, this book was written to. Now, the author of this book is a mystery. Well, we do have a few clues, and out of that, a few suspects who, who, about who might have been the author of this book. One clue is that this person speaks of Timothy as a brother in chapter 13, verse 33. Another clue is it has some of the style of the book of Luke and Acts. Uh, another clue, Barnabas was a, was a Levite, one of the, that, that partner of Paul in ministry, and there's a, much about the sacrificial system in this book. Another clue, Apollos, another partner of Paul, knew Timothy well. He was well-versed in Scripture. Chapter 13 tells us that this person may have been in prison. He had a Hebrew background very clearly, but he also wrote with an understanding of Greek thought. All these clues add up to some suspects. Who might have written the book? Maybe the Apostle Paul, maybe Luke, maybe Barnabas. Some people think maybe Apollos or Silas or, or Philip or Priscilla. All of those are suggested. Bottom line is nobody knows for sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. Well, actually, we do know for sure. God is the author of the book of Hebrews. He inspired some person who we don't know. God has chosen to not let us know the person through whom he wrote Hebrews. When we get to heaven, maybe, uh, maybe we'll get the answer to that. Or maybe we won't care. I don't know. I will say, as you look at the book of Hebrews, that the key word in Hebrews is better. That word better is used 13 times. Angels are good, Jesus is better. Moses is good, Jesus is better. In the last chapter, this book is called a word of exhortation, a word of encouragement. It's obvious as you read the book that we need a lot of different types of encouragement because this book is filled with stern warnings, with, with clear challenges, with clearly explained truth, with personal encouragement, and all of that can bring genuine encouragement into your life. It's a book, Hebrews is a book about taking the dare 
to follow Jesus. In a day where people dare themselves to drink a gallon of milk or douse themselves with freezing water, this is a dare that's worth your life, that's worth everything. So when you look at the book of Hebrews, there's two major sections. You dare to compare and then you dare to mature. That's what you do, Paul says. Well, I just tipped who I think might have written Hebrews, but who knows who wrote Hebrews? That's what you do as you look at this book. You dare to compare, and then you dare to mature. You dare to compare. You compare Jesus to anyone or anything else, and you'll see that he is worth your faith. He is worth your time. He's worth your life. To this group of people who begun to drift back to, for them, the old ways of religion, he writes. And for you and I, we might be drifting back to the old ways of selfishness or the old ways of counting on money or the old ways of longing for some kind of personal comfort in our lives. And we want to go back to those things, thinking that's where the real life is found. And the author of Hebrews says, no, Jesus is better. And he goes through this list. He's better than the prophets. Chapter 1, verses 1 to 3 talk about that. Their message, the prophet's message, was in former times. Now the message is found in his son, he says. Jesus is better than the angels, chapter 1, verse 4 through chapter 2. They, the angels, were ministering service servants. Jesus is the son, better than Moses, chapter 3. Moses was a servant in God's household. Jesus is a son in God's household, better than Joshua. Chapter 4, 1 through 13. The promised land was only a temporary arrest. Now we look forward to the eternal promise that Jesus can give us. Better than the high priest, chapter 4, 14, all the way through chapter 7. Jesus is a priest for all people. Jesus is a priest forever. Better than even the high priest. Better than the old covenant in chapter 8. He came to give us a new covenant, a new promise. Better than the tabernacle in chapter 9. The principle there is that those things in that tabernacle, they're just a shadow of the reality that's in Jesus. He's better than the sacrifice, chapter 10, verses 1 to 18, because Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice. Hebrews 10, 14, for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Jesus is better. So if you want to live out the dare of the Christian life, sometimes you have to dare to compare what you think is giving you life with Jesus Christ. And realize, I was wrong. I, I was wrong. I'm looking to the wrong things to give me life. And that's why I'm missing out on the life that God has for me. I, I might have found what I think are easier things, simpler things, but they're not the things that are going to really give me life. Now, as you look through the book of Hebrews, all that we've just talked about, the old covenant, the sacrificial system, the, the tabernacle, Hebrews is an example that we cannot understand the New Testament without the Old Testament or the Old Testament without the New Testament. The Testaments are tied together. You dare to compare, and Jesus always comes out on top. And then you dare to mature. There's these two outline points to the book of Hebrews. Dare to compare, dare to mature. He warns them about immaturity all throughout this book. And then he challenges them to maturity in the last chapters of the book. He warns and he encourages. He warns about what mars our maturity. He encourages about what marks our, our maturity. In fact, let me just walk through how you see in this book a comparison between what can hurt your maturity, your growth in Christ, and what will help your maturity, your growth in Christ. What mars our maturity? Drifting. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, he says that mars our maturity. If you just let yourself just float along in your faith, 
you're going to float downstream, not upstream. If you just stand where you are, we're actually standing on a down escalator. You're going to find yourself going down and not up. So he says drifting mars our maturity what should mark our maturity is confidence confidence in god because hebrews 10 19 to 22 therefore brothers and sisters since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of jesus let us draw near to god with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings that's how you keep growing that's how you dare to mature he says what hurts our maturity is doubting what strengthens our maturity is faith talks about doubting in chapter 3 verses 7 to chapter 4 verse 2 and chapter 11 we know is the faith chapter Hebrews 11 1 now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see so if you want to grow in faith yeah you got to look at your doubts you got to be honest about your doubts but you also have to look at your faith and be honest about your faith and grow in faith that's the only way to grow you don't grow just by being honest about your doubts the value of that is that it drives you to be honest about your faith, where your life is found. As you continue through the book, what mars our faith, what marks our, our maturity, what mars our, mat- our maturity is disobedience, chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. What marks it is endurance, chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. So you just look at your life and say, am I daring to mature? Am I living a disobedient life? Is there an area of my life where I go, I, I know God told me not to do that. I'm still doing it. Or am I living instead with endurance, even through the toughest of times? What keeps me from growing is stagnation. What enables me to keep growing is discipline. Chapter 5 to 6 talk about stagnation, just staying right where I am. If I'm going to grow, I need discipline. Now, sometimes that discipline comes in the form of tough times. Sometimes that discipline comes in the form of doing what I don't feel like doing that day. But it's the key, it's the encouragement that he gives towards continuing to grow. What keeps me from growing in chapter 10, verses 19 to 39 is rejection, rejection of what God has said he wants to do in my life. What causes me to grow in chapters 12, 14 to 29 is holiness, is holiness. Now, it's not my holiness, it's his holiness given to me. It's living out what he's done for me on the cross. What mars my discipleship is refusal, 12, 25 to 29. What marks my discipleship is worship. Chapter 12, verse 28. Again, is there an area of life where you're saying no to God? Take that no and turn it into a yes through worship, through worshiping him. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. There's a lot here. I've gone through it so quickly. I know it's hard maybe to keep all in our brain. As you walk through this book, let me just make it simple as we end. This book says, Jesus is better, so don't look back. And Jesus is Lord, so keep looking ahead. That's that's how you dare to live the life of faith. Jesus is better, so don't look back. And Jesus is Lord, so keep looking ahead. For our prayer today, I'd like to use the closing prayer of Hebrews 13, verses 20 to 21. Let's just pray this prayer together. Would you pray with me? And now, may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, equip you with all that you need for doing his will. May he who became the great shepherd of the sheep by an everlasting agreement between God and you, signed with his blood, produce in you, through the power of Christ, all that is pleasing to him. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, tomorrow we're going to look at the book of James and how faith works. 